Come Holy Spirit. We'll give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, our hearts, our souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. My kingdom does not belong to this world. This is Jesus' response to Pilate. As Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? My kingdom does not belong to this world. Where does the kingdom of God belong? Where, where is, right? Where is the kingdom of God? We hear uh, a Pharisee ask Jesus, right? He says, when is the kingdom of God coming? So the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. No, they say, behold, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. That God himself is the kingdom, the most holy trinity. And then Jesus also speaks interchangeably, right, of the kingdom of heaven. That where those who have gone before us, who are now in full communion with him, the saints are in union. That's The kingdom is in God himself and in heaven when we're in full communion with him. But Jesus, again, that Pharisee asked him, he says, you're not going to see, like it's not going to be a sign because something that they were, one of the aspects that they were expecting of the coming of the kingdom when the Messiah would come, not the only thing. Sometimes people think that was the only thing. They were waiting for a new exile, a new exodus. They were understanding this greater spiritual component that was there to some extent. But one of the tangible things, and again, the, the most common one people say, is that they were expecting right, the, the reestablishment of Israel. They were a defeated people at the time. So the Roman rulers were there. That's why he's before Pontius Pilate at all. So what the kingdom is coming, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to reestablish like a physical kingdom again. He says, but the kingdom of God is among you. Why? Because Christ was in the flesh. The one that was speaking to him was the kingdom in the flesh. But a question that we have for ourselves, right, on this feast day of Christ the King, it's the end of the liturgical year where we look for Christ's second coming. And here it is presented like Jesus as our King. What does that mean for Christ to be our king? What does it mean for us to live in the kingdom of God? If the kingdom of God is in heaven, if the kingdom of God himself, does it have any practical implications for our world? Pilate was worried. His only concern is like, you know, like if, if you guys are mad that he didn't do follow your Jewish ritual customs or those things, like that's on you. But are you, are you claiming to be king of a people that I'm in charge of? Like, is this a, a political coup here? And that's what Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. But it does have practical implications. 
That when Jesus invites us into his kingdom, which is the call for all of us to believe in Christ, to be baptized, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The way to heaven is through Jesus. And they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he gives the two fundamental commandments that everything flows from in the kingdom of Christ. You know them. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So first and foremost is love of God being directed to him in our spiritual worship. That's why we're coming to Mass. But also love of neighbor. Jesus is very clear. If we don't love our neighbor, he says, if you don't love your neighbor who you do see, how can you say you love God whom you don't see? That these two commandments are one and the same. And it is in this love of neighbor that in a tangible way, being part of the kingdom of God has real application to every aspect of our life in the social order and in the political order as well. How do we live that? The church is not here to be a political party. The church is not here to have tangible political power like we we think of it. But the mission of the church and the mission of us, the body of Christ, living, right? Jesus living in us as the kingdom of God and following Christ as our king is that we receive the truth from him. The truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, and the truth of what it means to be in relationship with others in every aspect. And so fulfilling the kingdom of God, of loving our neighbor as ourself, is not just about charitable deeds. That is very, very important. Jesus is clear. Matthew 25, part of our, our salvation, right? Whatever you've done for the least of my brothers and sisters, you've done unto me. Whatever you've not done, you've not done unto me. But to live and to build up the kingdom of God here is not just about charitable deeds, but cultivating a community cultivating a society where there is justice and people in that, in that society, right? There's an opportunity in a just society to flourish. Not just for some, but for everyone. And here's the movement of the people of the kingdom of God of following Christ and how he has taught us to live that has implications on every single aspect and for us to be focusing primarily like come to the Lord because ultimately his kingdom is about getting to heaven, but it's not just about that. It is also here in building up of a just society. So how do we know what a just society really is? Like, where do we get that knowledge from? Are we going to find it on CNN or Fox? Are the Democrats or the Republicans going to tell us? It is good for us to be engaged in the world and to pay attention to those things. But here's, here's the reality. The truth of who we are and how to flourish as human beings individually and together comes from the Lord himself, whom we're created in his image and likeness. And we're fallen. And as fallen people, we've talked about this before, we have a darkened intellect, so it's easy for us to get confused. When Pilate is talking to Jesus again, he's like, hey, you're a king. Jesus says, I've come, I've come to give testimony to the truth. And the church, you know, they cut off like the line that's right after that, right? I wish they really kept that for us to read. But the next line in John's gospel, Pilate's like, what is truth? Right? Like, come on. What is truth? What I care about is what's expedient for me to have power. But he's not concerned with real truth or real justice. He's concerned about his own power. 
control. But the only way we can receive what the truth is and then how, again, from that, to lead other souls to eternal communion and to be building up of a just society that others can flourish is from Jesus himself. So if we're paying more attention to what, again, I'm just using this, we can use so many other sources, what CNN or Fox or the Republicans or Democrats are saying more than Christ and more than his church, we're gonna be misled and we're gonna be confused. Again, we have to engage and we have to understand, but if we're paying more attention there, if we're being fed more by them than we are by Christ and his church and what it means to interact in our world in a tangible way, we're gonna be confused and we're gonna be misled. So where do we move? Where do we go? The early church, what did they do right after Pentecost? It says the early church devoted themselves to four things. Four things. For the church to be alive, for us as individual members and the church of the body to be alive of building up the kingdom of God, it is a devotion to these four things. One is prayer. How can we know the Lord and follow him if we are not praying? And all of us want to pray. I mean, mass is prayer, right? We were talking to some of our student leaders this past week, and it's been a busy semester. There's lots of school. There's lots of work kind of readjusting post-COVID, like, oh my gosh, I can do things again, you know? Like, I don't know, I want to do everything. You all know it, we're all doing it. And then, like, I want to pray, when I'm involved in ministry, it was like, gosh, I don't have enough time to pray. Just to say it clearly, like Mother Teresa said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Something else needs to get. Because if we're too busy to pray, Jesus is not our king. Somebody else is. Or something else. Daily commitment to at least 15 minutes spending time with the scriptures and our Lord Jesus Christ. Changing our hearts. Second thing sacraments, right? They devoted themselves to prayer. And the second thing is the sacramental life of the church, to make the Holy Eucharist and right now in your life, confession, to make those just integral parts. That if you have an opportunity to come to Mass, not just on Sunday, but during the week, to grow in devotion to the Most Holy Eucharist through adoration of coming to confession, right? Just, just rooting ourselves in the sacrament. The third thing was the community, they focus together as other believers, like engaging in the world, because like, we, we can't just hang out with each other. We need to be engaging in the world, to seeking to evangelize and draw others in. But there's a real thing, like understanding that fellow believers help transform and flame the fire within us. So important. And the fourth one is one that I want to kind of really, us to think about and dive in today. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles informing their mind of what is really true. Just at 6 p.m., the bishop came and he was here and he said, there's so many voices in our world, right? But whose voice are we paying attention to? Whose voice are we listening to the most? In a sense, that's who's the king or queen in our life. And if it's not the Lord and his church, if we're not transforming our minds by the truth, then we're gonna be confused and we're gonna be misled. And so as folks who are following Christ, it is part of the, the fabric, right? The habit of who we are as Christians to study the faith. 
because it tells us who God is and who we are and how we interact with everyone else. Engaging in that way. So when is the last time, right, I challenge a little bit here. When's the last time you read a book or did a Bible study, a video study, something, chewing on the knowledge of the faith? It should be something that's part of our, the rhythm of our life. Prayer and the sacraments, community life, and study, informing our mind. And specifically, as we're thinking about the political realm, the social teaching of the church. The church recently came out with the, the compendium of the social teaching, right? The church is not making policy herself, but informing the principles that we engage in the world, teaching us of the principles of how we engage of building up a just society that from there, then you, as, the, as lay people, right, are meant to engage the world, the societal the world, the, the political world, with the vision of Jesus and his church. Not to take the vision of the political realm and bring it into church, but to take the gospel and to go in and to use that as the prism and that I look at everything else and to make policies and to engage in them based off of the fundamental principles of, of who God is and who we are and what does it mean to build up a just society. So if you haven't studied the social teaching of the church, dive in. And I want to encourage you kind of a nice smooth way to get in is I mentioned it recently, Pope Benedict's encyclical, God is love, because he just starts off talking about who God is and how he loves us in this incredible way. But then that love of God for us, how do we love him? And then how do we love others? And he goes through, again, just beginning some simple principles of engaging in the world from the vision of Christ in his church. Who's the king in your life? Who's informing your mind more than anyone else? Whose voice are we following? As followers of Christ, as we're, we're again in this last week of the liturgical year, looking forward to the coming of Jesus again, of our salvation and the salvation of others, of devoting ourselves to prayer, to the sacramental life, to being built up as a community and informing our minds of the truth so that as we engage in this world, that we can help build up the kingdom through the salvation of souls and the ordering of a just society. Not from the vision that the world is presenting, but from the vision of the church and engaging vigorously in the world from there. They asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? My kingdom is not of this world, but his kingdom is in this world and is meant to be in us. And then from in us being poured out and transforming everywhere we live and drawing others in. Today, let us make a recommitment to prayer, to the sacraments, to the community life, and to informing our minds that Christ will be ever more clearly our king. More souls will come to know him for all eternity, and our world will become more just that everyone may flourish and come to know Christ.
So you're still listening? Well, while you're here, maybe you're thinking about, you know, I really want to support Christ the King. I want to know how I can pray for them. I want to know how I can support them financially. Well, that's easy. Jesus, go on our website, ctklsu.org, and you can support us through your prayer or through your finances that will allow us to continue to reach the students on this campus for Christ. Go Tigers.